Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio, episode 27. This is Carol's husband, and I am here with BWC, beautiful wife Carol. She's sitting right here next to me. Hello. And my cousin, Kyle Pauly, is all in the family today. Hello, everybody. So before we get started, I do have to go over this day in wrestling history. But every time I do it, Chris gives me a hard time. So I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to let Kyle do it now, and then Carol's going to do it on SmackDown tomorrow. So Kyle, give me a This Day in Wrestling History. Uh, This Day in Wrestling History. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. On today, September 18th, 1993, NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling held their Ultra Clash card in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the ECW Arena. Hmm. This is the first... The one in Philadelphia? Yep. Nice. This is the first show that new booker Paul Heyman booked the entire show. Hmm. He replaced Eddie Gilbert. 26 huh. years ago. A ponytail Paul Heyman. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Paul E. Dangerous. Paul E. Dangerously. Yep. yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, you said you had something noteworthy. We can talk about it right now. Go ahead. It's a SmackDown thing. Okay. Well, then we're going to so, wait until tomorrow. So what that means, dear listeners, is show up tomorrow. Yeah. There's a huge. You might find out. Huge announcement. Huge announcement. Huge. I feel like there might be some disappointment yeah. there, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, so maybe well, it's not. I do have an announcement, though, to our, our listeners uh, and to you, Matt and Carol. Okay. Uh, listeners, if you hear random noises in the background or uh, anything <laughs> disturbing, I have four dogs in my house right now. Uh, it is a zoo. There's an Instagram account for it. Uh, <laughs> what is that Instagram account, Kyle? I don't remember. <laughs> I it's didn't the make zoo it. TN. Yeah, the zoo TN. Under, underscore TN. Um, we, well, we have three dogs anyway on our own, uh, mine and my girlfriend, we joined forces and, uh, also my little dog, Caleb, uh, my dad had back surgery, which is why I missed a couple episodes. So I'm watching him up in Tennessee. Uh, he has severe separation anxiety. So he's currently laying outside the door whining and there's three other dogs in the house. So if you hear random barks, growls, whines or whatever, I'll save Matt the trouble for trying to edit everything out. Um, yeah, it's just dogs. The only thing that dogs can do is make the show better. We all love dogs. Too bad it's not a video podcast. I know. We'd, uh, yeah. Make usually, bank. usually Stephanie does a good job, my beautiful girlfriend, of taking care of all them while I'm doing this. But she's working tonight, so it's just dad uh, at the house. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. So let's go from uh, from a dog to what is Seth Rollins? A dork? A dork! From a dog to a dork! I love it! I yeah. absolutely love it! WWE Raw opened with Seth Rollins coming to the ring. And he talked for a little bit, and he talked about what happened at Clash of Champions, about how he beat Braun Strowman, which got a bunch of boos, by yeah. the way. And then he talked about how The Fiend beat him up, which got a bunch of cheers. Now, you could argue that these reactions were because of Braun Strowman and The Fiend being over, and I think that that is fair. And I know I give Seth Rollins a hard time, 
That is fair. Obviously, people absolutely love The Fiend. Everything he can do right now is pure gold. And I think a lot of people are ready for them to pull the trigger on Braun Strowman. He always gets right there and then loses. But do you think people are getting a little tired of Seth Rollins? Um, probably. And, and if they're not tired of him now, they probably were at after the end of the show, which we will we'll get to. But yeah, actually, honestly, though, I, I did like this segment. I thought I he, I think he came out and did a nice job. Uh, even when he got some booze or there was a yowie wowie chant when he mentioned the fiend. Yep. Um, and he kind of didn't, you know, scoff at it. He was just like, yowie wowie indeed. He just kept moving on and I thought he handled it all well. He and did. played his role well. He didn't like, you know, he didn't. He wasn't a complete buffoon. Next to you know, clearly the uh, <laughs> the inadvertent top babyface in the company now, the fiend, um, right? So the, the horror clown demon heel that uh, is is the most over thing in the company. It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, but, by complete you know, accident. <laughs> welcome to WWE, where yeah. stars are made, even though Vince McMahon tries to keep people down accidentally. Yeah, it's nuts. But supposed he to be a heel, but he's yeah the biggest baby I mean, face in the company. Absolutely. Right now. <laughs> but he was interrupted by Seth Rollins was interrupted by the Firefly Funhouse, mm-hmm. and Bray Wyatt came out, or he was on there, and he kind of teased the Fiend, and he talked about what happened uh, at the Clash of Champions the night before about how he, you know, uh, friends always forgive, but the Fiend never forgets, and he says that the Fiend had something to say to Rollins the night before. And maybe he'll have something more to say tonight. And he, he even got a warning segment. from uh, the rambling rabbit. Yeah. And uh, then Bray yeah. Wyatt killed him. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was everything Firefly Funhouse is great. I guess we don't have to worry about the rabbit. He seems to come back. He bounces back. Yeah. And every time he gets murdered, he just comes right on back anyway. So I assume yeah. it is WWE, so rabbit. he's not selling that injury. No, not at all. But yeah, so then after that, Raw's graphics were upside down, which I actually thought was a mistake. And if it was supposed to be like this weird thing by The Fiend, they didn't sell it very well. Like they just kind of kept talking. And at the end, Renee Young was like, wait, has this been upside down the whole time? And then Corey Graves kind of stumbles over his voice and like tries to redeem himself. So he's talking about the main event. But before he can even finish, they cut to Braun Strowman in the back. So if this was supposed to be this, thing where I, I think it was i think it was too yeah. i do at first i didn't but it was a it, it was it was a little weird yeah. it was weird, it, weird if it was better. intentional what they should have done which is uh something i know as a uh designer and someone who deals with graphics on a daily basis uh it's called consistency so if you want something in your graphic that you know it's like an element or something if you want it to make sense and not seem like a mistake uh you repeat it or have like some consistency in your other graphics. So mm. what they should have done, if this was on purpose, they should have throughout the night done some weird graphic-y stuff. And then they could have said like, you know, the fiend messed, was messing up raw or something. Yeah, I don't know, but and ha- definitely have them. It would have definitely seemed it. like less of a mistake for yeah. sure. If, if it was intentional. Yeah. The whole thing was a little weird and I agree. I just, and they could, they could do it again next week. And then maybe that would be, and, and this whole Baron, I'm sorry, this whole Bray Wyatt thing has, everything's been very subtle and they've done a very good job. Like when the puppets were in the background and they never acknowledged them. So maybe it'll continue next week. I don't want to judge it too harshly, but it did come off a little strange. 
It really did. Yeah. But the best part was that the Firefly Funhouse theme music was still playing when we cut to Braun Strowman. So we got a little bit of Braun Strowman walking along to, we're really glad that you're... <laughs> <laughs> which was great, which was yeah. great. Uh, so Charlie kind of interrupts Braun and she's like, hey, I thought you were taking the night off. Why are you here? And he said, because the next person to step into that ring is going to get these hands. Because he's got to sell those t-shirts, I guess. Yeah. So after the commercial, the revival, Robert Bobby Roode and DZ Dolph Ziggler come out. And it's announced that we're going to have a tag team summit. <laughs> I don't know what a tag team summit is. A summit to what? Yeah, I don't feel like the <laughs> WWE knows what a tag team summit is. But they thought, you know what? We need these four guys out like here a, for a reason. We're going to name it something. A conference or something? Uh, just, uh. <laughs> So they were all out there, and they started putting themselves over very briefly. Then Braun Strowman comes out, and if you ever wondered what Vince McMahon thinks of the tag team division, well, here's your answer. Because Braun Strowman absolutely murdered them. Now, he didn't do much to Bobbert. To, to Bobbert. To, I like that. That's staying in. He didn't do much to Robert Roode because he they the is putting over he's got a main event match with Seth Rollins later he has to stay safe so he literally ran from from Braun Strowman while Dolph Ziggler and the Revival got destroyed the two tag teams that are the champions four yes. guys got murdered yep well Bobby Roode ran away the entire time so really only 3 of the 4 only got three murdered excuse, yeah excuse yeah. me that that makes it all better right <laughs> Old Bobbert Rude got away from everybody. Bobbert Rude. Can we start calling him that? Yeah, I'm down with it. Bobbert Rude. Also, uh, Summit is a noun. Uh, Definition of it uh, is the highest point, like the top apex, the topmost level attainable, the highest level officials, or a conference of high level officials. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So it's one of those four. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but a tech team right. version of that. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. So Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss are backstage, and they don't really talk about anything. They just kind of put over a match they're going to have later with Sasha Banks and Bailey. They're drinking coffee. Mm. They're all happy. They called Sasha Banks a Smurf. It was funny. It was good. But I have a I have a question, and Kyle, I'm going to let you talk in a second because I think you'll be able to give a more in depth analysis. But Carol, as a casual fan. Over the last couple of weeks, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss have kind of bounced back and forth between face and heel. Does that seem confusing to someone that hasn't been watching wrestling their whole life? Like, does it make sense what they've been doing? Uh, I actually like it. Like, I guess it depends on what you're going for, uh, what kind of a fan you're talking about. For me, I would say I kind of like it because it's different okay. than the I'm all heel or I'm all face. It's kind of like we're real people and we kind of you know, some days we're, we have attitudes and some days we're, we don't. Um, I don't know. I kind of like it. I think it's different. I think it's a little bit fresh and I wouldn't call it confusing. I have asked myself, okay, are they supposed to be, are they supposed to be heels or are they supposed to be the good guys? What's going on? But I don't feel that I, I need to know. I actually kind of, I kind of like it. Okay. That was a lot of words to say. (laughs) 
I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right, Kyle, give me give me a little more in depth analysis about the wrestling stuff behind it. Uh, I like it. <laughs> nice. Good. No, uh, I mean, I don't think Alexa ever really got like a turn. So she's still a heel, I guess. I, I mean, uh, but she's been acting like a face. They were the yeah. clear faces at Clash of Champions. Right. Well, they were like heels two weeks before that. Exactly. When they, which is what I said in our uh, Clash of Champions interview, because they were. Heels the first time those two wrestled, and then they were faces the next time. I think Alexa has turned face technically. She's just still like the Alexa Bliss character, so she's still kind of, you know, between. He, she's yeah. she's good to Nikki, but like heel to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki's just been a baby face, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it, was, it, it has been a little strange because uh, Alexa has been very similar in character to like Mandy Rose in the past right. of like, being a jerk and then all of a sudden they're against each other and Alexa is like, you know, against her, but they've been the same character. It's very strange. Yeah. But yeah, she never got like an official face turn. So it's, it could be kind of confusing. I wish yeah. she would at least, which that's the thing is I, I agree with Carol that like, nobody should be like full blown face, full blown heel because then, you know, cause we're all human if something, if somebody is messing with you and you're just trying to be a goody goody, then, you know, people are going to be like, well, why are you letting them do that? And like run all over you. You need to stay on your ground, like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Or like if you're a heel and something, you know, happens to you and you have a chance to show a better side or something like nobody is ever full good and like full bad. It's like, can be a mix. So in that sense, I agree with Carol, but I mean, you need to have like some kind of you know, just for characters on a TV show, you need to have a clear cut, good guy, bad guy type situation. Yeah. And I think it's okay to have some people that are absolute faces and absolute heels. You can't have them all like that. And I'm real mixed on this because part of me is like, yeah, this is great. This is kind of what AEW is doing, right? They don't have characters that are absolute faces or absolute heels. And they have people that straddle the line. Like we've talked about Cody Rhodes before, but it's, it's such a, it's such a new thing for the WWE. So I'm okay with letting it play out. Plus I love Alexa and Nikki. So we'll see how it goes. I hope it goes well though. Well, to not um, turn this into like a round table thing, but I, just in general in wrestling, I think, you know, the, the last couple of years, people have wanted to do that to say like, let's get away from just a straight baby face, you know, old school heel of like completely good and bad. Like I was saying, and but in the instance of like Cody Rhodes, it, it I've stated before that it bothered me that he's like kind of flip flop between face and heel, at least like when he works. Uh, I mean, as long as it's true to your character, I don't mind it. But then some, but it also needs to make sense. So it's just you know it's just part of storytelling. Okay. Yeah. So if All it right. makes sense, I mean, I, I think Alexa could be. Um, she could be good and, you know, good to Nikki and try to do good things, but it's okay for her. If Sasha is a jerk to her, for her to talk trash and like, you know, be in that, you know, they've been be mean and kind of stay her ground at that point, but they need to kind of establish what she is. Yeah. yeah I think anyway. that's fair. That's a fair thing to say. It yeah. is. So we'll go back into the ring and we've got the OC, all three of them wrestling Cedric Alexander and the Viking Raiders. 
And I immediately the baby thought, face Viking Raiders. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. yeah. So I immediately thought, okay, I guess we're going to have Cedric get his win back over AJ because you know Cedric won first and AJ won, but now Cedric's going to win again, so they can push this forward to you know Hell in a Cell or something. That's not what happened at all. Uh, this match was really really cool. One of the high spots for me was for Hanson. I think his Viking name is Ivar. I can never remember. I can't tell him apart. I know him as Raymond Rowe and Hanson. But mm-hmm. the big one jumps off the top onto Rowe and uh, the Good Brothers. And all three of them completely fell to catch this guy. Mm. That like it hurt. It looks mm. like it hurt so bad. And like, I wish I could recreate my wife's face. And show that to you all because she's like, oh my gosh. He just like plopped on the ground from probably 10 feet in the air, right? He's on the top turnbuckle to the ground outside on this little teeny padding as a forward flip. And the dude has to weigh 300 pounds. It was crazy. Um, Then after that. They lost him in the lights, as Jim Cornette would say. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, AJ Penn Cedric right after that with a phenomenal forearm. Uh, the teams kind of continued to fight. Uh, the Viking Raiders got the upper hand on the OC, but Cedric could not get the upper hand on AJ Styles. Uh, he was trying to do what I believe was supposed to be a Frankensteiner off the top rope. AJ caught him and did a Styles clash off the middle rope, and it looked terrific. Yeah, and Cedric is dead. Cedric <laughs> is now dead. Uh, and it's, and it's, that was in Charlotte, right? No, no, no. Clash of Champions was in Charlotte. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah this is in uh, Knoxville. Yeah, Knoxville. Yeah. So, Speaking uh, of Knoxville. Yeah. Yeah, we, we know it's in Knoxville because of the next segment. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. I know we're in Knoxville. Um, <laughs> the next segment was um, at the Women's College Basketball Hall of Fame with R-Truth and Carmella, who were uh, having a tour, and Truth was making a bunch of jokes about how giant the basketball is. It's on the top of the building, I guess. It was asking how big the girls were that played, you know, all this funny stuff. It was actually kind of funny. Then uh, Mayor Glenn Jacobs enters the scene and Truth mistaken him for Magic Johnson. Yes. Uh, but then uh, Mayor Jacobs says uh, he, he wants, he has a limo outside. He wants to give Truth and Carmela a tour, or at least Truth a tour of Knoxville, invites him to the limo and Truth agrees to him. And so they walk away and Carmela looks at a kind of looks at Kane a little bit puzzled and maybe a little bit suspicious of him. And then mm-hmm. they leave, leave the scene in his limo. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was fine. Um, I, I always love the 24 seven segments. This is like you're so at the, at the beginning of the show, after the Firefly Funhouse, Carol says, actually, you, you tell us. Tell I, us I did. I said, and Bray Wyatt, the best thing on television today. Like all of television. <laughs> Until our truth gets on TV and she says. Actually, our truth the best thing on television <laughs> today. I love it. He's so entertaining. He's so entertaining. Um, so, yeah, it was cool. And uh, Mayor Jacobs, uh, he, you know, he looks really familiar. Have you, has he been on WWE before or something? I think he was. A, I think he was my dentist at one point. Was he? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I have to say, it took me a minute. I was like, "This is somebody I know. Who is that?" Do you Do you know who it is? It took me a second. Who is it? Well, I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Okay. Uh, Abyss. 
<laughs> yeah, it, you know what? I think Abyss is producing the show. Maybe that would... Mm, is he really yeah. a man? I don't know. Let's move on from this. Uh, <laughs> King of the Ring Finals. Baron Corbin defeated Chad Gable. Yeah, baby. And I tell my beautiful wife, <laughs> Chad Gable's music sounds like the generic music in a WWE video game. It is so bad. And if they really want to push this guy, like, at least just give him an intro, right? Like, the rest of the, the music sounds fine, but it's just, it sounds so plain and bland. Anyway, that doesn't matter because the match was freaking awesome. It was so good. And at the end, Gable was going for a Tornado DDT, and it got reversed into an end of days. It, w- it was great. It was one of the best deep sixes I've ever seen in my life. He spun around like a hundred times. I'm telling you, <laughs> I have, and I, I mentioned this last week and uh, Chris was not happy with me, but I've really come around on Baron Corbin. And as long as they don't push him to the moon and they keep him at this spot of the card and he just keeps putting on good matches, I'm fine with it. I'm totally okay with King Corbin. Fine with me. Carol picked King Corbin, I think, originally. I did. Uh, I think we picked him after, I know I at least picked him after Drew McIntyre was uh, actually, I don't know if that's true. I think I picked someone with Joe. Either way, Carol picked him from uh, from the beginning. Did you pick Corbin? I have no idea. No, I mean, no, I did not pick him, for, at least definitely from the start. Yeah. But uh, it was probably Ricochet or somebody. Yeah. But well, I, uh, I will say, uh, this is actually going to bring us to my uh, weekly segment. Okay. Uh-oh. Not the future endeavor, but actually... The brass ring for this or the brass week. crown, the brass crown, <laughs> the brass scepter, the brass throne, whatever you want. The brass the, robes, the brass slacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not just Baron Corbin and it's not just Chad Gable. It's the entire King of the Ring tournament. Right now, I will say. It was I really enjoyed this tournament. I really wish they would have done this on the King of the Ring show or the uh, Clash of Champions show. I, I know it was too. like, it was kind of a weird timing. Cause if it's not, if it's on the pay-per-view, it's not a title match. So it's kind of weird, but man, this deserved to be on something more than just raw. Don't you think? I agree. They gave it the yellow lights and everything. Like it was a Clash of Champions match. Yeah, and I mean, obviously King of the Ring used to be a big pay-per-view and it was a lot bigger than, it, you know, it, it used to be a lot bigger. And, you know, they kind of dialed it back the last couple of years and then even had gotten rid of it a couple of years. And then they brought it back, you know, mainly because the uh, other great tournaments that have been in wrestling in the last year or so. So uh, but really all the matches, this might be like one of the best King of the Rings, you know, in ring wise and like, you know, work rate wise in like at least a long time. Like uh, and I, and I was not also not sold on it. Uh, when we got to the finals, because I was like, you know, there were a lot of good names in this tournament. Right. It's kind of a letdown that Baron Corbin and Chad Gable the last two, because they haven't really done anything with them. You know, Gable has been short, you know, the entire time and hasn't got pushed. <laughs> Corbin, everybody hates him. But man, these two came out and put on an awesome match. You know, Gable is now over. Like the fans are behind him. Uh, and I guess the only other downside, I kind of wish they would have given it to Gable because Corbin did have heat already. And, uh, you know, Corbin, he's going to have heat, you know, anyway, going out of this. Um, And if Chad Gable were to win, I think he could still do a program with these two. But you know what? They had a great match. I'll give Corbin credit because, like you said, Matt, you come around on him. Uh, He's 
this wasn't his only good match in the tournament. He's Not had good often. matches with several people. So I think Corbin's back. I think he did great in this tournament. I think he deserves to win with how, you know, how he did. Uh, and Gable, I hope they keep pushing him. But King of the Ring tournament, I'm giving it the brass ring. That's great. It's, it was awesome this year. Hopefully they, hopefully this leads to them taking it more seriously next year and actually putting it on a pay-per-view or yeah. at least like the semifinals and finals. Um, but yeah, as far as just tournament this year, it was great. Yeah, I completely agree. I absolutely love the King of the Ring. I love wrestling tournaments anyway. I kind of wish there would be some sort of prize other than, you know, a fake crown and robe and scepter and throne. But Corbin it, now it, gets a new gimmick to go with the slacks. Oh, goody. I think oh, that's the whole reason they gave him the win because they were like, man, he's in slacks for no reason. We got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, but I, I really did love the whole the whole tournament. This is your first King of the Ring tournament, isn't it? It might be. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I uh, I think kind of from the beginning, I didn't pick Corbin, but I was like, it'll be Corbin. Yep. But uh, as it went along, I, I started to get more behind behind him and kind of like, all right, cool. Let's give Baron Corbin a chance to come back. He can redeem himself. We we can get behind this guy. And then Chad Gable came on the scene, and again, they just weren't they weren't doing it very well. Mm-hmm. But it ended well. Yeah. So I was not very excited about the match, but the match was great. Yeah. And then it all has ended well, and I'm excited about both of these guys. Right. So it sort of was a process. Uh, I don't know if they planned for that, but that's how it went for me. Okay. They don't play for anything. Right. No. <laughs> no, Lucky don't. happenstance for WWE. Yeah, just uh, imagine if they had done this with Gable, who was like actually a little bit of something. Right. And Corbin, who, you know, was, you know, I mean, he, Corbin has done something, but I mean, fans were like not, they, no. I mean, they didn't really like him at all. But yeah. Yeah. Imagine if Gable at least had something to go off of. I mean, he would have been, you know, even bigger after this. And he is now, but, you know, he would have just been taken off. It's just so difficult with WWE because they pushed Buddy Murphy for a couple weeks and then he hasn't been seen since he beat Daniel Bryan. They gave Ali all these awesome backstage segments. They're yeah. not doing anything with him. And then he came out and lost. Yeah, so that just know? none of it none of it makes sense. None of this makes sense. So I, I don't know. As long as they keep pushing Chad Gable, I'm down. I'm down. Um, we went to one of my least favorite segments of all time. <laughs> And I hated all of this, except for the big return. Um, and I'll, I'll let you tell me what you think. But they had a gender reveal party. And Maria comes and she goes, well, I guess it's time for me to reveal the gender of my baby. It's a boy. And if you've ever been to a gender reveal party. <laughs> I was going to say, do know? the writers know what a gender reveal party is? I don't think they I do. Feel like, I feel like uh, they just like, they, they must have just got like a, Urban Dictionary or something, and just saw all these like, <laughs> yeah. First a summit, and now a gender reveal party, and they don't know what either of them are. Either of those just, things are just throwing words around. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, Carol, tell me in a gender reveal party, what 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 usually happens? Just give me a, a ten second breakdown. All right, let's let's have something like say blue balloons coming out of a box or cupcakes with blue frosting. Something more exciting than it's a boy. That's not a party. That's a Facebook status. <laughs> Exactly. And what's great about it is she goes, it's a boy. And oh, Mike, you're not the father. The father is Ricochet. And like Ricochet's eyeballs are like, wait a second. And he goes, no, no, Mike, obviously she's lying, bro. I mean, I would never. I mean, I wouldn't say I would never. And then which made Mike go just lose it. 
And like, first of all, if you've been accused of impregnating someone else's wife, those are not the correct words to use. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there, Ricochet. If you're listening, maybe next time, you know, be be a little more subtle, be a little more calm, and then don't admit that you think she's attractive at all. None of it. Never, ever, ever. So Mike slaps Ricochet and says, we're going to go to the ring. And it yeah, I was thinking uh, Ricochet was probably like, man, I shouldn't have come to this 24-7 <laughs> participant uh, party that's going on here. Because <laughs> basically, yeah. I think I think R-Truth just like announced he was uh, having a Knoxville vacation. And so all the 24-7 people were just like, oh, there's a gender party tonight. Uh, <laughs> Ain't got nothing else to do. Might as well yeah, do nobody in chase. Ah, oh, so stupid. It's yeah. so stupid. But what wasn't stupid was another Firefly, Firefly Funhouse segment. And then Bray Wyatt has his wall of friendship. And he shows Finn Balor, Kurt Angle, Jerry Lawler, and Mick Foley. And he's got little portraits of them with X's over their eyes and like a big frown over their face. And he says, I need to add someone else to the wall of friendship. Maybe I need a new friend. Then we go to the ring. And Mike Kanellis is in the ring. Ricochet's music hits. And instead of doing his cool intro where he holds his hand up in the air... Uh, actually, first of all, let's point out that that stupid ricochet sound is still in his music. Either way, he comes out Pew! and it's, it, it's, it's, so, it's, it's so stupid. Go. It's so dumb. But Get it? Because his name's Ricochet. <laughs> you know what? I never thought of it. I guess it should stay. So Ricochet comes out and instead of doing his cool entrance, he's like begging like Mike. And he's like, bro, it definitely wasn't me. Like she is lying to you. He slides in the ring. Mike tries to attack him. But Ricochet is like rolling all around the ring. And he's like, dude. It wasn't me. And so Mike slaps him or punches him one or the other. I can't remember. And Ricochet finally figures out that he's in a wrestling match. And he beats Mike in like 60 seconds, hits him with a recoil. It was it was over. He just destroyed him. We go to commercial. And we come back and Maria goes, Mike, 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 Mike. Rick O'Shea, the Irishman, is clearly not the father. I just wanted to motivate you. But I guess I'll show you who the real father is. And it's Rusev. Now, we haven't seen Rusev in quite some time. And he got a pretty good pop. But I feel like the pop would have been even bigger if he wasn't stuck in this stupid, stupid segment. Nobody oh cared that Rusev oh my, was back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they were just like, he's in this? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, like... The fans are standing there. They're just like, uh, okay. Like this yeah. whole time, like all this is happening. Obviously, Rusev comes down, kills Mike Canellas, puts him in the accolade. Yeah, they have a. He beats him up for a while, and then they have the match for thirty seconds. Yeah, he chased him around the ring and just beat the crap out of him. And then Rusev beat him up, put him in the accolade. He tapped out. So he lost two squash matches in like you know a couple minutes. And yeah, surprisingly though. Mike is not getting the future endeavor this week. No. Which, but I really considered it. But yeah. there was, believe it or not, something that I hated more. Uh, and it's not on this show. Oh, I can't wait till SmackDown tomorrow. That's going to be great. Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out. I'm going to look at the results here in a second while you're talking. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. I do want to say that while Mike was getting beat up, before he got beat up, he's, he tells Rusev, you know what? I don't even care anymore. Congratulations. And like starts running out of the ring. And Michael Cole... Michael Cole <laughs> says, this guy's a loser. And if Michael Cole calls you a loser, 
Your career might as well be over, bro. It's done. And I know what losers are. This guy's a loser. I just, I can't. I can't. So, honey, you watched wrestling with me in 2011 for a year or two, right? And then we've been watching wrestling since January. One of the worst segments you've ever seen? This whole thing between Mike and Maria, I don't know why it's happening, why it's on my television, why it's on WWE. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen right after Sami Zayn in that chair thing. (laughs) That was weird. That will top because I think that was the dumbest thing they've ever done. But this comes right after that. Yeah, I just... I I feel like this was just like, you know, Paul Heyman gets the, what is the creative director of Raw? Yeah. And he's like, I got this idea. I want to use Mike and Maria because I know that Maria can be a really good heel you know, Mike's could be solid. He's probably seen it in ROH when they, you know, were, you know, a heel couple. He's like, I think I could do, yeah, uh, he's he's probably like, I'm, I know they could be something, you know, I, I, but I'll, you know, figure something out. And so he writes them in as this first, because they were, they were doing nothing until Paul Heyman took over. And he, you know, introduced this pregnancy gimmick to start. I know, I just know it. That he, you know, pitched this idea and had this great idea for a long-term thing. And Vince was just like, I know what I can do with this. <laughs> and just took off. And this has been Vince McMahon all the way. Because yeah. it's it's got Paul Heyman written on it. Like the pregnancy gimmick, you know, it's something sounds like something straight out of ECW. But every, like the nonsensical, the you know, the random spurts of, you know, I mean, because they haven't been on here in like weeks. So we don't even know what they've been up to. I, I just have a feeling that this was just all Vince McMahon. Just Paul is is probably Paul Heyman's idea to start with, and then Vince just took over and just yep. did what he does. Yeah, I don't I don't know. All I know is it's bad, and I yeah. I'm glad that it's over. I'm and now Rusev's involved. <laughs> I'm glad Rusev is back. And then when he was coming out, I think it was Corey Graves. One of the announcers was like, "I wonder what Lana thinks of this." And like, I can tell you what Lana thinks of it because I have followed her on Twitter, and holy smokes, is she a drama queen? So, I, I obviously the it's a storyline, but either way, she's a drama queen in storyline as well. I hope that this doesn't come become this weird, you know, Rusev and two women thing fighting over him, but. I, I don't know. I'm glad Rusev is back, but I don't want someone to come back just to be thrown in crap. So I'm kind of hoping Maria will just come out next week and be like, clearly Rusev is not the father. Kind of what she did with Ricochet. Cause she actually right. never said that he was the father. He kind of interrupted her. Um, yeah. That's so true. Maybe I'm yeah, hoping so. I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe Rusev just wanted to kill this geek. <laughs> and I get <laughs> it. That's it. fine. That's yeah. fine. So the next segment and I'm here looking at the Uproxx results, and they call him uh, Mayor Kane, which th- that that is one of the best things I've ever read. And uh, Mayor Kane is, uh, so if Kane is the devil's favorite demon, then he literally took our truth to hell because he took him to the worst place in the entire world, and that is Neyland Stadium. Oh, Rocky come Flop, on. Tennessee sucks. Uh, and so, he, but what is great is he, Kane puts over, um, excuse me, Mayor Glenn Jacobs puts over paramedics and firefighters and police officers. He said, as a matter of fact, I swore someone in. And so he brings over this police officer. R-Truth asks him if he's RoboCop. I don't know. It was weird. R-Truth is usually really funny. That was kind of a weird line, but whatever. Um, And then Kane says, excuse me, Glenn Jacobs says, I can't, uh, 
I didn't, I didn't actually swear him in as a police officer. I swore him in as a referee. And then R-Truth says, you got two jobs? And so, and the police officer says, no, I'm just a referee. Takes off his shirt. R-Truth says, actually, I have a prior engagement. Turns around and runs into the goalpost. And Glenn Jacobs becomes the first mayor and former world heavyweight champion to be the 24-7 title. Now, sweetheart, tell me, what'd you think? Uh, I think it's nice. Bring the old guys back. Have them, have them get a win. And I uh, it sets up another opportunity for R-Truth to become yet again your 24-7 champion. That's true. That's true. You got anything I, to add, uh, Kyle? Yeah, I take issue. Um, as a uh, resident in the uh, state of Tennessee, it... Uh, <laughs> It's really troubling that a uh, the mayor of Knox County is uh, falsely dressing up uh, people, pedestrians, as police officers. And, uh, yeah, I think there should be an inquiry about this in, yeah. the, uh, in Knox County because it's pretty disturbing. I can see it being a problem. I can see it being a problem. Uh, actually, they actually kind of touched on that. and we'll, we'll There's definitely another segment on this, and we'll tell you about it uh, shortly. So th- this next segment was really weird because earlier in the show, they're like, Rey Mysterio, the greatest mass WWE superstar of all time, is in action later. So Rey Mysterio comes out. He's in the ring. He's ready to go. And Cesaro's music hits. So I'm like, cool. Cesaro's going to job, but I'm fine because Cesaro is awesome. This match is going to rock. And so Cesaro comes out in, like, regular clothes. And he's like, the next time I see your son, I'm going to beat him up. I'm like, this is kind of weird. So he climbs in the ring, and he's yelling more at Ray. And then the referee calls for the bell, and Saksaro literally says, oh, this is a match now? I'm like, well, what kind of booking is this? Was someone else supposed to come out? And Cesaro's like, no, 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 no. Hit my music. I have something to say. But I'm not going to fight whoever other goober that Mysterio is supposed to wrestle. That suits, I don't know. I just thought it was really dumb. Either way, the match was awesome. Cesaro got in a lot of offense. Um, Rey Mysterio got the win with the sunset sunset flip power bomb. That uh, was cool. Yeah. yeah, I actually like walked into the kitchen or something, and then came back like after the segment had started, and uh, or after the match had started, and I was standing there for a second. And I was like, "Did I miss something? Like, why is he in shoes and pants? Yep. Like, I just walked to the kitchen. <laughs> it's like I didn't. Uh, is there a segment I missed earlier on the show? But uh, <laughs> no, he was just." I guess he's the new Corbin. He's, yeah, okay. he's got like street clothes he's wrestling in now. Makes sense. Yeah, it was very strange. Yeah, it was. But the match was good. Um, we got Authors of Pain in a backstage vignette. Vignette? Vignette? How do you say that word? Vignette. Vignette. AOP. <laughs> and so basically, they say, we haven't had a match since WrestleMania. And the reason is because nobody wants to fight us. So like... I'm sitting there and I'm like... Not in English, by the way, which I actually really liked. Yeah, it was really cool. And first of all, I want to say, and I'm not complaining, this this segment was incredible. What they said, nobody wants to fight us. I thought, why don't you just go knock on Aleister Black's door? Because (laughs) he wants to fight somebody too. So it all makes logical sense. But I guess guess they uh, decided not to do that. But basically they said that uh, if if, um, no one will accept their challenge, then they will absolutely... You know, get into a fight on their own, which is fine. Um, I don't, I don't know much to say about this. I don't know a lot about the authors of pain because I haven't really seen them a lot. 
except for, you know, toward the end of their most recent run when they weren't doing much. So I've heard wonderful things about them, especially from Chris. He loves the Authors of Pain. So I'm look, really looking forward to them getting another little bit of a push. Yeah, I uh, like I said, this was not in English. They spoke in uh, whatever language they were speaking in, their n- native language. Yeah, I have no and, clue. Uh, none. I actually looked it up. I couldn't find it out. One of them's Canadian, and one of them's from Amsterdam. So, yeah. Amsterdam. So they yeah. they, uh, but it was subtitled, and I liked it. Uh, I mean, I wish they would do it with uh, you know, another prominent. Uh, you know, Japanese superstar or something, you know, like that. Right. Or just other foreign wrestlers. I can imagine Vince McMahon probably hated this segment because he's like, why aren't they speaking English? (laughs) So, uh, but I really liked it. I mean, especially since WWE, you know, they have a lot more uh, foreign superstars, foreign born superstars in the company now. Like, I mean, UFC does it all the time with, um, Brazilian superstars or, you know, people speak other languages and they just have a translator there. And I mean, they could be just as over as the next guy. So I think WWE can do it. They don't, everybody doesn't have to come out and cut English promos and just, you know, have to be the rock or stone cold. So, which I've been saying for years, right. To just let them, you know, do whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm glad they do it. I hope they just never speak English again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, I, I like him as well. And, you know, I've liked him in NXT, Authors of Pain. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes. Hopefully they don't sit in this room for the next couple of weeks and keep challenging people. With, uh, like, uh, blue and red lights shining on their, their faces and on the back of their yes. heads. And they <laughs> yeah, start talking it, funny. And also, another thing I didn't get, they were like, and I don't know how they're going to play off this, but they were saying that nobody wanted to fight them because they were hurting people. And I was like, okay. I know they like to tote the line of, like, breaking kayfabe sometimes and like saying stuff that's real. So, but I think either way, this is not a good line to use right. and not a good story to put off of. Cause either a, they were really hurting people and we're getting complaints, which is not good. And so their fans are going to hate them if they know they're injuring people. Uh, see Nia Jax, for example. Yes. Or B you're saying that like wrestlers in storyline went and complained, these guys are hurting us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're getting beat up by these guys what are they doing yeah. oh you don't want to fight them they're going to hurt us like yeah. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense either way you put it so yeah. it was kind of a weird line but I think for the most of most part it was it was well produced I enjoyed yeah. it, it I, I, I like see him again yeah so um, after that we had a third funhouse segment and then Bray Wyatt is hanging up a photo of Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins has those X's over his eyes and the frowny face and, uh, yeah, Carol, what did you, this is the third Firefly Funhouse on the show. Do you think that that's oversaturation or do you think that he's the hottest thing on TV and he needs to be there? Ah, uh, it just depends on where they're going with it. So if they're going to keep pushing and do something with it, then this is great. Peppering in a little bit around throughout the show is great. Um, they're not long segments, right? It's just a little bit at a time. If they're going to do this for a while and then eventually just hang it up and, and forget about him, then I think this is dumb because they've done that recently, right? They've, they've really pushed people and now we have Aleister Black sitting in a room. Right. And we only come, we only go to that room every now and then to check on him, make sure he's still alive in there. So if that's what's eventually going to happen is that we're just going to kind of phase out, forget about Bray Wyatt and move on to the next guy, then that's, that's dumb. But I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that they're doing all of this because they're going to go somewhere with it and keep 
having him showing up and the fiend and all that stuff. So no, I don't think it's too much. I like the peppering in throughout the show. Okay, cool, cool. Um, but yeah, the the segment was fine. All he did was hang the picture. wasn't much to it. And we went straight to Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. This match was was really solid, but it was a little weird for me. Alexa Bliss sold a, 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 like a basically an ankle injury. And it was her knee. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it was a legit injury. No. So I, I don't, I don't know what the point of it was. I tell you, if nothing else, though, it made Nikki Cross look like a friggin' superstar. Because well, she, for, well, first of all, first of all, I know it wasn't a legit injury because Bliss like did a backflip onto uh Bailey and Sasha at one or a front flip on Bailey and Sasha at one point. Yeah. Uh, Bailey was the only one that ca- caught her by the way. Yeah. I heard about <laughs> Sasha that. just kind of fell down. And then, uh, so she gets up, she's like favoring her leg or whatever. And then Bailey targets the leg. Uh, but she's grabbing her left leg and Bailey grabs it and she's going to smash her into the stairs. She's twirls her around and throws her in the stairs. Alyssa, Alexa Bliss's right leg hits the stairs first. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly it in her. And then Alexa gets up and holds her right knee. And I was like, <laughs> huh. So uh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Unless she hurt her right knee instead of her left knee for real. Um, yeah. She, they got the knees mixed up. And then Bailey started targeting her right knee for real when she, <laughs> when she uh, started attacking it after that. So yeah, Bliss got taken out. So it was basically a handicap match. And like you said, Cross was strong yeah. on her own, but obviously lost to the heels in the end and t- tapped out to the um, bank statement. Yeah. What was, what was one of my favorite spots in this match? And it was just the way that Nikki recovered is she pulled Sasha out of the ring and put her in between the apron and started beating her up like she always does. And she was going to do the same thing to Bailey and instead Bailey couldn't fall into the apron. So she actually slid out of the ring and immediately, without missing a beat, Nikki just turns her around and slams her into the barricade. And I think a lot of wrestlers, even really solid wrestlers, would have kind of been lost in that moment because it would have totally taken them out of what their plan was. And right. she just recovered so seamlessly that anyone watching wrestling that that hasn't you know hasn't been watching it long, or even those that have been watching it for a long time, you know, I think that they would have missed that. And I think she did an absolutely wonderful job. Uh, I love yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of wrestlers these days aren't good workers, right? Because they don't have that kind of instinct. They they have their plan, and when it doesn't go according to plan, you know, they get kind of lost. And uh, you're a good worker when you can like because it's supposed to be a fight, like right. a wrestling match is supposed to be a fight. So, and I, I've seen this happen to um, I think one of the just what's popping in my mind of a recent one, Samoa Joe. I think it was him and Finn Balor were wrestling each other, and I don't remember what happened exactly, but I just remember the spot where there's something supposed to happen. It didn't happen. And Joe just like slammed him down. Right. And it was just, I remember seeing it. It was like, okay, well they messed up there, but you, you know, you couldn't tell really because Samoa Joe was just like, all right, well that didn't work. So I'm going to kill this guy by the, with this move. Right. Like, and just moved on. Like, but so many times people get lost and they try to do this thing that they're trying to do. And it's just like, goes downhill and you know everything that can go wrong goes wrong and or yeah she probably just didn't work so she just throws it in the barricade yeah and, and i'd like to see more of that people you know thinking on the fly and it was just such an and, and i hate to spend so much time on this because it was such a small thing but it just 
it really showed that Nikki knows what she's doing, and uh, she really deserves her spot on the card. Uh, after the match, Becky Lynch came out to make the save because they were still attacking Nikki Cross. And Becky Lynch has a chair in her hand, and she's going two-on-one with Sasha Banks and Bailey, who are both in the ring with chairs. And uh, Charlotte Flair's like music hit. Worst chair fight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. I have no idea. So I like guess, yeah. Yeah, so so Charlotte comes out, gives a big boot, and she's wearing like these ridiculous heels. I don't know how she lifted one of her legs and didn't fall over, but she big boot. Who Bailey. like let her go out there and wear these heels? I have no idea. But she <laughs> like big, they were gigantic. They were huge. But she, I mean, she did it fine, so I guess it's fine. Uh, she big booted Bailey in the face, and then Sasha and Becky have this like weird chair lightsaber battle. It was really strange. Um. And then, yeah, Lynch took out Sasha Banks, and then Charlotte slides in the ring, and her and Becky stare at each other, and that ended that. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. So after that, we had Sasha more of Sasha Banks after the commercial break, and she challenges Becky Lynch to a match at Hell in a Cell. And then Becky Lynch says, absolutely, but I won't just have it at Hell in a Cell. I want it in Hell in a Cell. So if I'm correct, Sasha and Charlotte had the first ever and only women's Hell in a Cell match. And uh, now we're going to have Hell in a Cell match number two. Yep. So it's going to be good. I wonder if chairs will be hanging from the top of the cage. (laughs) Maybe so. The first thing I thought after this segment was they they have to be having a chairs match. Yeah. (laughs) They they just use that thing. It It would have been perfect if they were heading into TLC. but Mm. Yeah. So, honey, back to your expertise. The next segment, we have Mayor Jacobs' limo pull up to uh, the arena. And there's someone hiding on top of the limo. Would you like to tell us about this segment? Uh, it was R-Truth. R-Truth was on top of the limo, and it was great. I loved <laughs> it. It was great. It was great. So basically, Mayor Jacobs, the mayor of Knox County, who looks just oddly familiar, gets out of his limo. And R-Truth jumps off the roof and rolls him up one, two, three. Mayor Jacobs is no longer the 24-7 champion, but he gets up and he grabs R-Truth by the throat. And at this point, I knew exactly who he was. It was Diesel, right? That's who it is? I, I thought he was The Undertaker. I don't know. I don't know. I swear... I swear it was Diesel, but maybe I'm wrong. Either way, he grabs him by the throat, and R-Truth goes, wait a minute, man. You have to understand that being the 24-7 champion is a 24-7 job. You're already the mayor, and that's a 24-7 job. You can't do both. And Mayor Jacobs goes, you're right. And then they go into doing the arena together. They're both happy. Which is really a good thing, because, I mean, when he grabs him by the throat, I was like, man, this guy is ready to raise some game. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna move right on from that that was terrific um so we the, your next match uh lacey evans beat dana brooke she beat her with a sharp student said this is for you natty moving on seth rollins versus robert rude in your main event seth rollins is beating up on robert rude and this is actually a, a really decent match and robert rude got some offense in i think they're really wanting to push him i, I know paul Heyman's really high on him uh, Robert Root also got the pin on Seth Rollins at Clash of Champions in their tag team match. 
And did I not say after our review that he should at least get like a number one contender yep. match or something? Yep. So sure enough. Yeah. So they got not a number one contenders match, but they're here. Yeah. And Corey Graves said if he wins, I'm sure he'll get a you know championship match or something like that, like they always do. So Dolph Ziggler basically Seth Rollins is beating Robert Roode, and Dolph Ziggler comes in, interrupts the match, and uh, it doesn't matter, even though because Seth is kind of getting the upper hand, but the OC come out. And they're destroying Rollins five on one. Now, remember, earlier, Ron Strowman beat up four guys on his own. And Seth Rollins can't do two, much less five. But who were to come out but Kane? Now, we haven't seen Kane in a long, long time. Definitely not in this show. And he's the demon Kane. He's coming out, he's making the save, and he beats up. All five guys. And part of me is like, this is really dumb. I don't want Kane, who isn't even a full-time roster member anymore, just to destroy everyone. Other part of me is like, I'm so glad Kane is on my TV again. But what was so wonderful is some lights go out, more lights go out, and it fades to black. And you hear that creepy sound and the lights are flashing, and you see Kane staring down at the ground with the fiend behind him staring at Kane. Now, Kane's smart, and Kane also deals in the supernatural, so he knows what's happening. So instead of getting surprised and destroyed, he turns around and does his best to wallop the fiend, but he just can't do it. And the fiend shoves his hand in Kane's throat. And knocks him out. And Kane slowly rolls out of the ring. And the fiend crawls over to a horrified Seth Rollins. And I'm so glad Seth wasn't like, oh, I'm super brave and I'm going to stare him in the face. No, he looked like a terrified eight-year-old little girl. And now, he was just in his face. And I inside. praised Seth Rollins for his great promo at the beginning of the show. You did. And I enjoyed it. But could you imagine this is supposed to be the Stone Cold, the Rock, <laughs> to Triple H, like the top star in the company. And he is in the corner, you know, peeing his pants. Basically, like Drake Maverick. Like he is so terrified. And I'm just like, really? Like, why? Yeah. Like, The Rock I'm would ru- be... I'm rubbing my head, uh, trying to <laughs> grasp my head around this. Like, I feel like The Rock would be, like, in that same situation. And he's, like, giving the fiend the eyebrow. Like, what is this nonsense? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what The Rock would do. And the reason I didn't have a problem with this is because I don't really like Seth Rollins. And I don't have a problem. <laughs> like, I don't have a problem with him looking stupid. Because he's been booked to look stupid for months. So I understand that he's supposed to be the guy, but he's just a dork. He's just a dork, man. And if he's going to be a dork, he's got to embrace it. He looked terrified. <laughs> it was fine. It puts the fiend even more over. It was good. And that's that's how Raw ended. And I I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Like, so the, the whole show, Carol, as a teacher, mm. and I know you usually grade easier than we do, but maybe not today. We'll see. Tell us what you thought of this week's WWE Raw. 
Uh, yeah, I do tend to grade kind of on the the easy side. Um, looking at things that the ridiculousness, like the the Mike and Maria stuff. Uh, that's that's kind of that's points off for sure. But there was some good stuff. Mm-hmm. There was some stuff we enjoyed. I'm gonna go. We had uh, we had the Viking Raiders, not not wrestling jobbers. That's good. We enjoyed the the peppering in of the Firefly Funhouse at 24 seven. We got to see Kane finally at the end of the show one yeah, time. I know. Uh, and we had a we had a good King in the Ring match. So, we did that we really enjoyed. So I'm gonna give it a B. A B. I wow. Am. Let me give it a B. All right, Kyle. What you think? Well, if I were a teacher. Uh, Everybody would hate me because I <laughs> am not going to give these kids a break. Uh, I I did not like the show at all, really. Because uh, I mean, the past couple weeks, I, I've I've said repeatedly, I could give it a good grade and I could feel good about the show if they don't do like the stupid like little things that they do that just WWE the show up. And uh, it was all over this show. Um, obviously, I really liked the King of the Ring final match. I thought that was good. But there were just so many things on the show that were just... The, even if it was hinting on good, there was something there to just kind of ruin it for me. Like the, the AJ Styles uh, and the club, you know, the OC going up against Cedric and the Viking Raiders. Like Viking Raiders are just suddenly baby faces and they're awesome. But it's like, man, where has this been? Exactly. Like, why were they heels the whole time? And Cedric got killed again, so he's dead. Uh, King of the Ring final was great. Uh, the the uh, gender party reveal and the whole Mike and Ellis Rusev saga with Ricochet, stupid. Like, just hated a whole part of the show, which is a pretty big chunk. Um, Serio Cesaro was a decent match, but why was Cesaro wearing sneakers and pants? He didn't know he was going to be weird. in a match, apparently. I guess not. I mean, he must have missed the marker board or whatever they have on the show that says like you're in a match. Or maybe he thought he just saw Mysterio and thought it was Dominic Mysterio he was wrestling. I don't know. Okay. Uh, the women's tag was fine. The chair match afterwards kind of weird and clunky. Charlotte had huge heels on that I don't can't believe somebody let her wear in a <laughs> in a wrestling segment. Uh, the R Truth twenty four seven thing was like okay it, it gave me like some time to pause and just kind of not be angry and just be like okay this is dumb but it was what it was uh one thing we forgot to mention which was nothing was lacey evans and dana brooke they had a match and it was there no i mentioned and then it. i just passed over it so quickly uh well yeah i clearly we you went over it as quickly as it happened yep. so i guess that <laughs> i think i, just, I, I think yeah. all i said was they had this match and then Lacey Evans did the sharp shooter, so this is for you, Natty, and we moved on. So, yeah. Yeah, so, that. yeah. And then, uh, obviously, the main event was fine. It was a good match. And then uh, Kane came out and beat up five people, the, the fat mayor. <laughs> and uh, then uh, the Fiend attacked him, which I I, I did in our group on a, our group chat, I did say like when it was happening, I texted you guys. I was like, Oh, please let the fiend come out. And he did. Right. Uh, but then the whole Seth was cowering in the corner and I just like was shaking my head. And I was like, why? Like he was so good in this match. He was good at the top of the show. And then you just turn him back to dork Seth. And then to end the show, they had the 
Firefly Funhouse graphics and theme song. Oh, that's right. I forgot to mention that. And uh, it was all like crazy and messed up, kind of how the intro was like, or the graphic was upside down at the beginning of the show. And it was like, it played the chorus and I was like, okay, that's, yeah, that's kind of cool way to end the show. That's fine. And then it did another verse. It went on forever. It did. And then it did another verse and it just kept doing it. And I was like, it was like two minutes long. Yeah. And I was like, okay, screw this show. Like every <laughs> little thing they could have done to make me angry, made me angry. I give this show a D. Oh. Wow. I did not. There were good spots on it that saved it from just like completely, completely angry. I gave it a D plus at best. Cause like I said, King ring was great, but I just, I don't know what it was. I was just not in the mood for the show. <laughs> So at the end of the show, when they did the Firefly Funhouse stuff, I thought, oh, well, they're doing this so long, so Bray can get to the back. And then they'll probably show Seth or something getting back up. No. They did it. I mean, a solid two minutes. I don't, if you're exaggerating, it's not by much. I mean, they, it was yeah. so long. Like, they did verses of that song I've never heard before. <laughs> no. Apparently, there's like a three-minute song that they recorded. But they only play like the first 30 seconds, when, you know, yeah. when the show comes on. But apparently there's more to this song. Like it's it's a, like a director's cut of it or something. Yes, I have no idea. It went on too long. Um, this show wasn't as good as Carol said and wasn't as bad as you said. So um, the King of the Ring match was absolutely incredible. But that's the only thing on the show where I'm like, wow. Until the very end when The Fiend showed up and beat Kane. There were so many little things about this show that really bothered me. And I always say that I can get over the little things if there's good action in the ring. Not me. And there, but <laughs> there wasn't. There wasn't a whole lot of good action in the ring. Yeah. Uh, but there just wasn't a whole lot of just horrible stuff either. I don't know. This, this show was just bland. It was meh. It's a solid C, man. It's a solid C. Do better, Paul Heyman. You can do it. Solid C. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 27 of Wrestle Life Radio. I am Carol's husband, and I am here with BWC, my beautiful wife, Carol, and with Kyle. Kyle, tell us how we can follow you on Instagram. At Kyle.Polly. Carol, how can we follow you on Instagram? At Carol Sin. You can follow me at Wrestle Life Carol's husband. I'm just kidding. I am Wrestle Life Matt. Don't forget to follow Chris at Chris.Cumby, and you can follow us all on Instagram at Russell Life Radio, on Facebook at Russell Life Radio, and on Twitter at Russell Life Pod. Please like, share, and subscribe. Tell all your friends. We really appreciate your support. And we'll be back tomorrow for our SmackDown review. Bye. Give Carol a Cotero t shirt. <laughs>